Ed, uh, Man United did not beat Arsenal and it was really annoying. Extremely frustrating. I guess we uh, we can have some empathy, though, given how many times United won games or drew games or got something out of games very late on. But yeah, that was extremely frustrating because United were very good. Very, very good, you know, and Mourinho was right post-match when he said we played really well, we completely dominated the game, because that's true. Uh, yeah, although the one thing I don't think we did that much of, this wasn't a, like the Burnley situation or the Stoke situation where there's a ton of chances that you think they should have been wrapped up and put away and we should have definitely won that game. This was just a game where we played pretty well for the most part, looked basically untroubled in spite of having one of the weirdest back fours in history, um, but then just didn't make enough proper clear-cut chances. Yeah, so 12 attempts, five five shots on target. Uh, it was you know a kind of middling game in terms of numbers, I suppose. And, uh, and it's, I mean, it's been a problem for United in some games this season that, you know, certainly not into Van Hal-esque territory. Oh, no, no. But against a, a, a team that's been pretty good this season in Arsenal and, and until recently had, you know, had been very good in patches, certainly looked a little bit leggy in recent games. Um, you know, that's, th- those are good numbers, right? 12 shots, five on target. That's, that's normally pretty good against a top team. Um, and just couldn't convert them this time and didn't, probably didn't make enough chances for the good positions that United had. Actually had less possession than Arsenal this time around. But, um, you know, on, in the general sense, the narrative was mostly, the narrative of the game was that it was mostly with United. United were mostly in control. Uh, United were creating the better chances and really should have won the game. Um, uh, yeah, but I mean, if you break down the the XG, sorry to mention XG, it's like 0.7 to United, 0.5 to Arsenal, for whatever that's worth. It, as you say, 12 shots, five of them on target. I mean, one of those shots on target was that uh, Anthony Martial uh, pass back to check. Um, another one was, I think, Two more of them are his shots from outside the area. So, uh, you know, and there was the Juan Mata goal. And then you're really not, you really aren't talking about, it's not like we sliced Arsenal open again and again and again, like we did Burnley or Stoke. No, true. Uh, no, very true. I, I don't know how Arsenal get to 0.5 XG. They, they create four chances from open play. Their, their first chance... Their first shot on target was the equaliser. Uh, yeah, but in the first half, they did have a few pretty decent half chances. There was that uh, one where there was like a bit of head tennis in the box and one of them really should have done, but I can't remember who it was, but one of one of one random Arsenal person should have done a lot better than he did. Um, and he hit the ball wide. Uh, we had that chance as well with Rocco, where Rocco headed the ball wide from a, a pretty good, a pretty good position. But... I'm, I, unless I'm mistaken, I can't really think of a chance where your head's in your hands and you're burying your face in the, you know, there's not that kind of frustration of, oh my gosh, I can't believe they missed that, you know. But th- there were a lot of good things about the game. Um, I, I thought that uh, Juan Mata and Ander Herrera were both absolutely brilliant in this one. As they have been for much of the season, or at least since Herrera came back into the side. I mean, you've got to, he's playing so well at the moment, Herrera, and he looks such a mature player and such a Manchester United player that it makes you wonder how he was ignored for so much of the previous two seasons and, in fact, the early stages of this season. I mean, he's too good a player not to be in the team every week. And he gives United, you know, that balance of Pogba, 
Herrera and Carrick is is very nice in central midfield. The, the one sacrifice, of course, is you're playing without a proper ten there, and Matters sort of pushed to the, the side. And we we know he's less effective there. He's still going to put good numbers up because he gets into those good positions, and he's a, as we saw a great finisher. Um, and that's the sacrifice you make. But it gives you a very nice balance in midfield. I mean, effectively, you're not really sacrificing Mata playing at number 10, are you? You're sacrificing having a right winger because he spends so much of the time inside. And fortunately, Antonio Valencia's in excellent form. So he's covering the gap. So it's kind of like why the system's working, really, is because you've got a, a proper swashbuckling attacking right back because um, that's what he is again now you know he there's a, a few he got man of the match on sky i think maybe pogba or herrera or mata should have got that but um he he you can't argue too much with it he had a a fine game he, he made he did a lot right uh, and and his form you know we talked about Fellaini being in good form right at the beginning of the season and that felt like a blip and it was but Antonio Valencia's form under Mourinho not a blip anymore the sample size is large enough he's uh, he's been absolutely superb yeah he was absolutely superb great fantastic performance you know yeah well up there for man of the match awards and all of that kind of stuff and um yeah once again all, all the commentary i've given over the the many years about him just not being a right back is is being eroded, isn't it? You know, the truth of that is being eroded because every time he puts in another performance, he's another piece of evidence that he's a fine right back. And and putting actually uh, Antonio Valencia of old attacking performance as well. You know, sort of um, he he good number of dribbles in there, good number of take ons put a couple of decent balls into the box, constantly providing United with the attacking outlet. So great performance, great performance from Herrera, very good performance from Pogba again. Um, He's a great player. And, you know, I was chatting to Adam Joseph, who writes a few pieces for for Rant about this. And his his kind of analysis is that, you know, it's the Vine generation. And if, if you don't have some kind of explosive shot going into the top corner, uh, people assess this as as not a great performance from Pogba. And you know what? There's some actual truth into the pithiness of that analysis because um, if you look at viewer figures, less and less people are watching full games. They are watching highlights. They are watching vines. Uh, people, More people engage with football than ever, and that's why you're getting these huge sort of commercial deals around it. Um, but uh, people are engaged with it in a different way in the past. So, you know, maybe it's true. Maybe it is the Vine generation and Pogba's suffering for it. I, I was really surprised that there wasn't a Vine. There, a Vine did the rounds of Juan Mata making Mesa Ozil fall over because there's nothing young football Twitter likes more than an excuse to have a go at Mesa Ozil. Uh, but Pogba did the same as well. And I, I couldn't believe that that hasn't been like a 10 million retweet Vine because <laughs> um, uh, Pogba taking on Ozil and winning is exactly what a lot of uh, a lot of a certain type of United fans want to see but uh, yeah I mean he was just excellent and and you know the, the whole thing about Carrick Carrick Pogba and Herrera has looked the logical uh, concoction of our midfield that's not the word I want but you know the logical makeup of our midfield for a long time and it, it this is this was one of those times where you saw the starting 11 and thought that is a good starting 11 and it actually turned out to be yes that is indeed a good starting 11 although I have to say, and this might not be particular, particularly popular, I don't think I would start Anthony Martial again when Ibrahimovic comes back. I don't mean ever. I just mean on current form, I don't think you can put him in the side ahead of Ibrahimovic and Rashford. 
I think you have Rashford on the left and Ibrahimovic through the middle again because Martial really looked like he was struggling for lots of that game. Like so beautifully uh, measured when he kind of addresses the ball and when he's picking it up and running towards goal, it all looks like it's about to happen. But there's something going on, some confidence or something like almost every shot was uh, wayward or too weak or just, just not. And a few misplaced passes at key times. Just Just a tough day at the office. Yeah, but he's uh, we've we've talked about Martial quite a lot recently, haven't we? And when's he going to come back into form? And he really just needs the game time in order to come back into form. Surely, um, I've I've got to, I've got to believe that the player we saw last season, you know, with all that potential to be a, a world class number nine, is still there. Oh yeah, it's this is not to write off Martial would be madness of the highest order. This is a young player having a difficult second season in the Premier League. That's like a story as old as time. Yes, uh, another story as old as time is um, is uh, Wayne Rooney coming on for the last 20 minutes of a game and performing well. No, it's not really. But That's new. I like it. This is, this is an exciting new development. If Wayne Rooney can reinvent himself as a super sub, uh, something which I never thought we'd live to see the day. Antonio Valencia, a brilliant right back, and Wayne Rooney, a brilliant super sub. He was excellent. Apparently, what Rooney really needs to do is go out boozing till five in the morning all the time. I mean, honestly, the British press. What's wrong with them? What? I mean, uh, just just see all the headlines from the last eighteen months, and it'll give you a good idea. But no, no, I mean, I I, I guess we're probably going to agree on this one. I think the reaction and Running's analysis of it was was pretty spot on. Really, it's just been massively over the top. Now, it's a different question to say. Do you think a player who's injured and captain of his country should be boozing it up till five in the morning? In an environment where, of course, there will be cameras because everyone has a camera on them um, and the potential to video it or, you know, give it to the press or whatever. Do you think that was sensible? Um, and, and was it the most professional thing he could have done given that booze is hardly and help his injury? Then no, but the reaction is ridiculous. It's actually none of the British public's business whatsoever, right? So you're sticking this on the front page, you're saying this is in the public interest. It's not. It's just absolute bollocks and it's a complete invasion of Rooney's privacy. This should be in-house. This should be Mourinho uh, and possibly Southgate saying, that's not the kind of behaviour I expect from my captain um, and it's not the kind of behaviour I expect from an injured player either, but not on the front pages. It's the whole thing, isn't it? It's the back page, front page thing. If you want to put this on the back page because it's a reasonably big football story... That's kind of okay. It's, I think that's completely fair enough. I think there is a, a discussion to be had about Rooney's professionalism and, you know, well, I was about to start saying some rumours and stuff, but they're so unsubstantiated I wouldn't even like to. But the the kind of... There is a conversation to be had there, but it doesn't belong on the front pages of the newspapers. At a time when the world is falling apart at the seams, this is what's getting the attention of people. And, it, you know, it is it, oh, it makes complete sense. Of course, a distracting story about Rooney is going to do well at the moment, but it's just ridiculous. And, and he is... There is an extent to which he's victimised because of his position in society and the idea that he should somehow be a role model and all this kind of stuff. Like, that is a story for the back pages, not a story for the front pages. Yeah, I fully agree. I mean, there's um, there's some nuance to this, though, isn't there? Because I, I think it's fair to say Rooney has been protected in a footballing sense 
uh, for a number of years because of his status both with United and various sponsors and uh, some of which who cross over with some of the tabloids and his relationship with various tabloids and England and so on. So his deteriorating performances have not been called out um, often, but he's always... Uh, found himself on the front pages for this kind of thing, you know, drinking, smoking, pissing down alleyways, shagging grannies, that kind of thing, Um, when really the only thing that actually matters with Rooney is commentary about his performances on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely, which are... It's very strange, like his personal life is fair game, but his professional life isn't. It's kind of backwards, isn't it? Yeah. And so, look, he had a decent... What, 20, 30 minutes? I actually yeah, can't remember 30. how much. It, and it, he was it was pretty good. Um, it, it's an odd thing that happens now with Rooney. I mean, you know, I, I guess we've, we've you know, the the uh, the mass of the analysis, you know, the group think has now come round to Rooney is no longer good enough to start for United. You know, we, we've kind of had that analysis, analysis for some time. Um, everyone's come to our point of view. We're obviously pioneers <laughs> in this uh, or something like that. Um, uh, but there's still a really hardcore group of uh, super Rooney fans who will defend him uh, come what may. And, and for them, this was uh, the return of world-class Rooney. It mm. wasn't that, but it no. was definitely better than anything we've had this season. Yeah, and it was good to see him building on a decent performance against Swansea with another decent performance. Well, actually, I could say definitely better than decent. There was one ball out to the right wing, uh, which was played along the ground. It was like a, a kind of cross-field through ball out to the right wing, which was really, really top draw. Um, so that was that was nice to see. Uh, I was a bit surprised that Mourinho put Rooney through the middle and shunted Rashford out to the left. I, I wondered whether, especially since Rooney had been decent playing off the left against Swansea, um, it, I, that seemed a bit of a strange decision to me. It, it was, and it actually contributed to the goal because I tell you what, Rooney would have put in more of an effort um, to get to Oxlade Chamberlain than Marcus Rashford did, who ended up playing at left back. Um, and uh, maybe effort's not the the right uh, word there, but but Rooney's definitely a better defender in those defensive areas than Marcus Rashford. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, for me, the sensible decision, given that United probably would want to stretch the game, is to to keep the speedier man up front and uh, play Rooney off the left. Mourinho decided otherwise, and it contributed in some small way to United. Uh, conceding that equaliser but it also contributed to United scoring because it was Rooney that was occupying defenders to create the space for Herrera and Mata so lovely ball from Pogba to Herrera that pass from Herrera to Mata was just like oh that's what that is what I want to see when I watch Man United Herrera setting up Mata with a beautiful cutback and an absolutely sumptuous finish from Mata this is the good stuff and then, as Michael Cayley tweeted, Juan Mata, in the most Juan Mata thing ever, was booked for hugging someone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, th- th- I mean, have to say, that really winds me up. Really winds me up. You know, the joylessness of it, booking someone for celebrating with his fans. Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, obviously, I kind of agree. But the flip side of it is... Don't give away cheap yellow cards. And that is, you know, it's a bookable offence. Just because you're Juan Matter and everyone loves you doesn't mean you can get away with it. You know, it's like when players take their shirts off after they score, after all these years, we know it's a booking. Don't do it. 
Yeah, I mean, don't smile unless you're unveiling a sponsor's slogan or something like that, right? But this is, it's not, you can smile, you can jump around as much as you like, you just can't jump into the crowd. Like, it's, that's the rule. I'm not saying it's a good rule, but they all know it's the rule. They shouldn't do it. Never thought you'd become one of the 57 farts or whatever my gang called them all those years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a different sport. Yeah, but no, look. It's the same point. The rule's bad, but if I was his manager, I'd be fuming. I'd be like, you know the rule, Juan. I know you love hugging people. There's a time and a place, son. Paul Pog was right there. You can hug him if you want. You're allowed. All right. Anything else to say about the Arsenal game? Yeah, I want uh, a word about the two centre-backs who uh, were pretty decent for most of that game. I mean, there's some very serious question marks about the way Phil Jones handled Giroud, but... Um, I think I mentioned last... Well, Jones got a shove in the back. Yeah, right. Not from Giroud, but, um, you know, there's a question mark about whether there was an actual foul in there. Um, which brings us to also, we haven't talked about the absolute stonewaller of a penalty no, no, Antonio no. Valencia no, should No, it wasn't a, a penalty. Antonio Valencia's strong, so that's not a penalty. That seemed to be the Sky Sports logic. Absolutely crazy. I don't know how anyone looks at that and says that's not a penalty. Well, I mean, you know, he didn't use two arms when he dived at right angles across him. So I guess that's, you know, OK. Like, people were saying that Valencia should have stayed on his feet. I'm pretty sure Nacho Monreal put his entire body weight through Valencia's thigh. And I know Valencia's got a substantial thigh, but, you know, he's still susceptible to the fundamental laws of physics. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Um, but but I, I back to the point about the centre-backs, I, I thought that Rocco has been pretty good at centre-back all the way since he's been selected. Not had like a massive challenge, but has been decent. And uh, the last couple of performances have just been a little reminder that, I think I said this last week as well, but it was kind of borne out again. Phil Jones is quite good. Um, it's always it's so easy to forget it because he's such a calamitous dunderhead, like both on and off the pitch a lot of the time, that you forget that there's a proper footballer in there somewhere. Yeah, look, it's just not worth discussing it, though. Yeah, Yes, there's lots of natural talent. Yes, he will get injured within the next month or so. Yes, he'll be out for weeks on end afterwards. Yep. Yeah, OK, fair enough. Be good if he wasn't, though, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be nice? Yes. Uh, it would be nice if I woke up tomorrow morning to find millions of pounds scattered around my bed and a couple of, you know, Miss Worlds. I feel like that would make your life even more complicated than it already is, though, to be honest. To be fair, it would. But, <laughs> you know, hey. <laughs> Them's the breaks. Um, I, listen, Antonio Valencia turns out to be a good right back, so anything's possible, that's all I'm saying. Um... Yeah, I think that's it for the Arsenal game. It was, I mean, I guess we could talk a little bit about where it leaves us. Those, that's a fantastic result for Arsenal and a terrible result for us, really, isn't it? Look, it's, it's a really bad result for United. Uh, City won again, Chelsea won, uh, Spurs... They beat West Ham, I'm pretty sure. They beat West Ham, yes, they beat West Ham with a very late goal. Um, it's yeah, it, United are dropping too many points, and and of course, look if you look at the the league table, had United beaten Arsenal, Stoke, and Burnley, the last three draws in which they had something like seventy five shots or something, uh, and scored twice, um, then United would be two points off the lead right now, uh, and but these that's that's how a season goes, right? Dropping too many points, and uh, you know and. Uh, Maybe that's okay if all of a sudden it clicks and they start spanking teams. 
or maybe what happens is uh, something doesn't click and they lose another couple of games. You know, and that's how the pressure builds. I think dropping points unnecessarily, it's it's just not good. It's so maddening. Like I tweeted a thing about how, well, whatever you, whatever's going on, it's both more fun and better than it was under Van Gaal. And broadly speaking, I think a lot of people agreed with that. But I got some absolutely vitriolic response of like, how can you say this is better than it was under Van Gaal? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, how can you say it isn't? And like, what do you mean it's more fun? We didn't win. But, you know, we had a proper go. We looked like a proper Man United team for periods of that game. And and like the style of play is that there is a kind of identity forming in this team. And, And it's so frustrating that those draws weren't wins because I think the real story of our season should at this point be that we're two points off the title and we're a proper team again. But just those little fine margins, that little psychological block, that little bit of ill fortune, a few unfavorable refereeing decisions. And nope, the narrative is people are genuinely asking questions about whether the Mourinho's lost it when I think it's really evident he's made United better but maybe that's wishful thinking maybe I've got my blinkers on maybe I'll be proved wrong but that's how it looks to me but last 10 games three wins three defeats four draws that's not title winning form no not, I know but that's not what I'm talking about you, of course not that's like that's what's so frustrating but it I just don't think it means that the project's a disaster uh, no um, anyway, should we take some Rankast questions? I'm, I'm sure there'll be plenty of breezy stuff in Surely there. in Mourinho we have to trust, says at Hez133. There isn't another obvious manager out there available. Also, he's been in the job five months. What, what are we, why is this a conversation? Yeah, should we do an analysis of possible <laughs> Mourinho replacements? No, not for like two and a half more years. Perhaps we should get the cast of Hamilton to give us an answer. Oh, jeez. You've upset me now, Ed. I was already upset at <laughs> the people and the thing about the Mourinho. Now you've brought up terrible, terrible thing. Anyway, um, our friend Mary, friend of the Rankcast, unhappier note, says, do you think we need to sign players in January? And do you think Jose will want to strengthen as soon as the window opens? Uh, I'm going to ask you that question, Ed. Well, look, I think he might well want a centre-back. I mean, you probably would, wouldn't you? Um, I guess he might be looking at the left back position as well, given he uh, he maybe is not a big fan of Luke Shaw, maybe maybe not, um, and he could well do with a left sided winger, a left sided winger, or maybe a right sided winger, both in fact. <laughs> what? Well, <laughs> we've got about forty left sided wingers, haven't we? Uh, Memphis, absolutely are not. Uh, Martial, he's not um, uh, not in his plans right at the moment. Martial is not necessarily one of his favourites, and he's playing a striker out on the left wing. You know, I'm ju- I'm just saying he's going to be looking at these positions. Uh, yeah, the Mkhitaryan thing, fascinating, and not in the squad again. I mean, would anyone be in the least bit surprised if he goes in January? I think we talked about this last week at some length, didn't we? So you couldn't possibly be surprised. I don't know what kind of fee United could get out of it. <laughs> Like selling back to Dortmund for a fiver, you know. Um, they'll let Gertz go because he's not working out at Dortmund for some reason. Maybe, I don't know, I haven't seen him for a while. But The centre-back thing seems like the most logical and obvious, doesn't it? That 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 would be the one where, I mean, strengthening in January, it's, it just doesn't happen very often, does it? 
No, no, he doesn't. And, uh, you know, trying to find a, a top-class defender because getting another middling one is, you know, not much good. Who isn't cup-tied in Europe? Or maybe it won't matter by then. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter anyway because cup-tied in Europe means he can't play in three Europa League, two Europa League games before we get knocked out. So, you know. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Um, or would a, a top-class centre-back who'd actually like to be playing in the Champions League for a decent side? Uh, it's difficult, for sure, for sure. But there's just no point adding, adding another middling one because, you know, there's a few of them there, right? Blint, Smalling, Smalling, you know, big question mark over his future now, surely. Rocco, it, it says something when Rocco is first choice. Ouch. <laughs> By we're not quite sure when he'll come back. Maybe mid December. Then he's off for a few weeks. So uh, I, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he brought in a centre back. And then there's a big question about all the others. I feel like at this point I have to uh, honour friend of the show, Barca Jim, who would be talking repeatedly about Virgil Van Dijk at this point. He's been saying on a, on he's like tweeted this at me at least 15 times over the last three years. Since he was at Celtic, he's been saying he could do it at United and he's having an excellent season in the Premier League at Southampton. And He is, yeah. He, he's what the pros like to call a proper defender. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, you'd think he's a much better fit for Mourinho than it would have been for Van Gaal. He can do it on a cold, wet Tuesday evening at Stoke. <laughs> Yeah, and also though he can do it at you know under the lights at, um, at for Celtic, you know, in big Champions League games. Which what, what Jim was saying, which I think is kind of an interesting point, that obviously the standard of football in Scotland is nowhere near um, what it is here. But the players who really excel at, at Celtic and and not so much anymore, but you know for a long time at Rangers, they do have a certain men- you do have to have a certain mentality because they are such pressurised clubs to play for. Which I thought that was an interesting an interesting point. In in the tiny bubble of Scottish football, yeah. Well, no, I, I think that's the whole point, is it's, it's beyond the tiny bubble of Scottish football. You have, to, you have to have a certain mindset to play in that kind of goldfish bowl environment because it's not a tiny bubble if you live in Glasgow, is it? It's massive. Well, it, it's the bubble of Glasgow. What, what, what do you mean by isn't that? Isn't it? That's it. I mean, out of all Scotland, it's it's not that big. There's not that great a focus on it outside. Well, in fact, there's no focus on it outside of of uh, of Scotland. So, having lived there for a while, you know, and I know everyone in Scotland is a Celtic fan or a Rangers fan, even if you're a Partick Thistle fan or an East Fife fan or a, you know whatever. Um, and but you know, it's it's quite a small bubble in world football terms. Sure, they've got decent sized stadiums and there's lots of atmosphere, but the actual quality of football it stinks. Um, and the quality of football outside of the four games a year where Rangers and Celtic are playing each other stinks. And of course, Rangers and Celtic haven't been playing each other very much in recent years. Rangers, of course, up in the top division again now, but nowhere near the kind of force of old. Um, so yeah, yeah, sure, okay. Kind of, I kind of get Barca Jim's point, but not really. Um, at 987 underscore Sean says, why are we kicking off at 4.30 on Sunday when we're not on TV? It was the same against Swansea. This is the joys of the Europa League. Sunday games, not even on telly. Brutal. So rubbish. The Europa League is so rubbish. Um, do you know that the Burnley game was the first Man United game in any competition this season that wasn't televised live in England? There you go. Uh, I did not know that since uh, I, uh, when you know, I subscribed to internet shenanigans. 
Yeah, might have to just do that now that we're uh, we've been relegated to the Europa League and weird weird half past the hour Sunday kickoffs, which are not on television. Actually, my travel schedule doesn't look too bad, uh, so I shall be coming to some a few more matches. Nice, which is a good thing. Oh, let's talk off the air about that. That's good. Um, at Joshua Graham ninety three, friend of the show, says, "How's your day been, mate?" I'm going to address that question to you, Ed. How's your day been, mate? I, I, I don't know whether this is a question about something that I'm totally missing, but... No, not uh, at all. It's a sincere, a sincere question about how your day's been. It's been all right. I went to see a film, uh, and uh, uh, one for the kids, um, Magical Beasts and Where You Find Them, or whatever it's called. Was it any good? Yeah, it's not really my bag. Right. But no, it was okay, enough. if you like that kind of thing. Uh, and then I spent about four hours in a car. Uh, yeah, that's not not so ideal. I um I have done a bunch of housework. Had a little go on my new rowing machine. That was exciting. And uh, I've been playing a lot of Watch Dogs too. Good video game. Good video game. Very good. I'm sure the listeners are loving this. <laughs> At Sutcliffe says, "What did Eric Dyer mean when he said he'd see Ander Herrera soon?" Uh, Ander Herrera uh, looked like he elbowed Eric Dyer in the Spain England game, and they've got uh, front row tickets to go and see Hamilton. Oh, you gotta stop bringing it up, Ed, because it's seriously so depressing that joking about it is like it just doesn't feel appropriate to joke about because of this monster. <laughs> And his reaction to this, and the fact that people are just listening to his outright lies. Yeah, a bit upset about this. No, no way to talk about Eric Dyer. <laughs> uh, Eric Dyer um, was asked if he wanted Under Herrera to apologise to him, and um, he said, no, I'll see him soon, because we're playing Spurs in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. If you touch one hair on Under Herrera's head... It's fine, <laughs> Herrera can handle himself, as we know. He's a bit naughty, isn't he, Under Herrera? He's definitely, like... Got a bit of edge. There was a good moment in the in the, the uh, Arsenal game where the play doesn't stop because the referee doesn't give a foul. Herrera's in possession. He turns to the referee to castigate him for not giving a foul while passing it to a teammate right on the edge of the box, combining his two favourite activities, setting up chances for his friends and arguing with the referee. He's, he's at kind of Craig Bellamy levels of nosing at the ref, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, he's not quite got Bellamy's general personality since he's quite nice. <laughs> not an absolute <laughs> um, At Jeff Picar 17 said, how would this season have been different if Schweinsteiger were an option? Not much. No, I, I think that's exactly correct. H- hardly at all, I suspect. If 2010 Schweinsteiger were an option... Very. Uh, and friend of the show, Kevin Carome says, who will we buy next summer for over £30 million in order to randomly send them into exile and why? I mean, we surely he's not going to buy Griezmann and put him on the bench, is he? Anything is possible. But you wouldn't think so. And and he wouldn't cost £30 million either. He'd no. cost lots and lots more than that. Yes, that's true. Um, I don't know. Like Whoever the Bundesliga player of the year is, whoever Dortmund's most creative force is, I think... It's some sort of inbuilt hatred of Dortmund at a Man United boardroom level. It's like, oh, everyone says how nice you are and how good you are and everyone hates us. So we're just going to ruin you all the time, ruin your best players. The the Mkhitaryan thing is getting weirder and weirder, though, isn't it? I, I think we just have to accept it's over, presumably. Yes, but it's properly weird. I mean, he, he hasn't completed 90 minutes for United, has he, right? And he was... He's so good. This isn't like... 
I mean, even, well, I think we talked about this right at the beginning of the season. Someone asked us if there was any chance Mkhitaryan would become another Kagawa. And I think we both very enthusedly said, no, there's no chance of that happening because Mkhitaryan's in his prime. He looks physically a really good match for the league. There's a really obvious place in the side for him to fit into. None of that's changed but something in him, there's it's just Mourinho. Mourinho just can't handle the fact that he's he's not. I don't know. It's just a bad match, isn't it, of man management style and personality. Uh, sadly, so it would seem so. Um, at Dempsey three, Philip says is Martial the first ever young foreign player to go through a second season slump. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Never heard of this before <laughs> ever. It's a great question. Um, uh, still have an undefeated record with Carrick started, saying, says at Cryptic Android. Do you think he's shown he can still play in the big games? Well, he was very good. Again, you know, uh, he, he was very good uh, in all recent games he's played. And for now, he's a great option. Maybe it's just a slow start to the season thing. Fergie was right. <laughs> yeah, Fergie's right. Carrick's not very good in the first few months. Uh, at Stu underscore one five one two says, "What are the wedding parties like in China?" Asking for a friend. <laughs> uh, they can be very good, apparently. Um, he's he's never going to find out. I don't think China's where he's going to end up, is it? No, no. You would think in uh, in MLS would be his uh, more natural habitat. At White Pele ten, friend of the show, Angela says, "Will we ever fully click?" Also, do you think it's my mug for collection at the post office depot? I think there's a really good chance, Angela, because I definitely sent your mug on Monday. Uh, so if you've got a parcel, there's a very good chance it is the Rankcast mug. Um, Do you think my mugs at, at the depot no, too? You've got one, Ed. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't seem to have got. Your mum's got one, but because she's a she's a backer, you're not. There's no Edward Barker feeding the Patreon page. It's like the time that Gary Neville sat in the middle of the Stratford End, uh, or sat in the, the with the away fans. Uh, there's no way he he had tickets through the loyalty part. No way. <laughs> no, I, I, all right. Do you want a mug? Shall I send you a mug? Is that what you're saying? I don't want one of your stupid mugs. <laughs> if you do want one of our stupid mugs, check out patreon.com slash rankcast. Um, people have been sending me pictures of them and it's been so nice to see them. Uh, but... Very sad for our friend at Forza United 68 who smashed his Rankcast mug while taking a photo of it to show us. Instagram generations. And Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, I asked for photos. I, it's my, that is my fault. I asked for those photos because I wanted to yeah, see Yeah, he him. probably sliced his foot open and now he can't play for his Sunday league side. <laughs> He's getting another mug anyway. Can you send Wayne Rooney a mug? <laughs> I don't think he'd want... I think he'd smash it for very different reasons. Um, once again, Matter coming off, says at Paul Kyle 2, seemed to take the fizz out of the United attack. Will he ever finish a game? I do think... I mean, obviously, he's never going to finish a game. I mean, maybe one day, but it's obviously a kind of sports science thing or whatever. But this time it felt tactical, and I do think it was a mistake. It made... It was. Of course it was tactical, and of course it was a mistake. Yeah, right. Clearly. So, in what... How do you mean? Well, he brought him off from a more defensive player. So, mm, he's yeah. trying to shut the game down. Yeah. Um, and, and it was a mistake because United had momentum and lost it. Yeah, I mean, at the time, I kind of remember thinking that it sort of seemed fairly logical. But, you know, but but yeah, that, that's, it did completely kill the momentum. <laughs> 
Chris at C Armband says, should Paul get a week off and Ed read out the questions for a week? We might try that next week. We we wouldn't we probably wouldn't get to any to be fair. <laughs> at Machiavelli says, all Marcus Rocco does is hoof the ball. I'm aware this isn't a question. <laughs> I just enjoyed the phrasing. Um, I don't I don't think that he he hoofs it all the time, does he? Well, you know, searching in into the back of my uh, stats nerd brain and also the internet, uh, I see that Marcus Rocco's average pass length is 20, which is a little bit on the long side. So mm. maybe there's something in it. Uh, OK. Um, at whatever says 4.30am here for the heartbreak. Why? Yeah, that's, I, I always feel for the people who have to get up at crazy o'clock when United, um, when United kind of get their hearts broken in that, in that kind of way. Um, can Herrera become a Carrick-like player to anchor the midfield long-term, or is he just too attacking by nature? I mean, I, I think the evidence is pointing to the fact that he can... Uh, he's quite good at following instructions, isn't he? So, you know. He is, yeah, and, and Mourinho has actually talked about that. So, I mean, clearly a very different player, but uh, he's got plenty of defensive skills in there and uh, plenty of energy, all the work rate. He, he's going to give you different things than Carrick. Uh, at United 789 says Gribbin scored a hat-trick against Liverpool today that was yesterday so it's not all bad is it no that's that's good he's you know as we talked about last week under 18's good so I think that's that's a lot of uh, oh one more at Daniel Cowling what's going on with Darmian sideburns this is a very very solid question because there is something going on with Darmian sideburns and have you looked at them up close I'm not up close, but like when they, when it's close up on the telly, if you spotted the shape of Darmian's sideburns, I can't say I'd noticed. So it's, it's the kind of thing my missus would complain about, and she'd be right to. You haven't seen my new hair. <laughs> um, well, you haven't noticed Darmian's strange sideburns. It's just like they're not there for a bit, then they're there for a bit, then they're not there for a bit, then they're there for a bit. It's uh, as a man whose facial hair grows irregularly, I think I've got to say to my fellow uh, irregular facial hair grower, you've just got to shave, Matt. You've just got to shave. He was all right at left back though. Did okay. Did a decent did a decent job. Um, and I, I, I you do wonder whether he's actually going to end up being a kind of first choice left back given given the Luke Shaw thing. We'll see. <laughs> Well, it's a weird season, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I suppose it is, but that's veering into Alanis' territory. So uh, let's hope it gets less weird and United just start thumping people soon. That is not going to start, my prediction would say, on Thursday night. No? When we take on Feyenoord in the Europa League. You shock me. It's a bad competition that we shouldn't be in. I would love us to throw this game so we can just give up on this sham that's been that's ruined the start to our season like wrecking our momentum week after week, making us play at weird times. I hate it. I want it to be over. Yeah, but isn't there something in, you know, momentum and winning games and feeling good, getting into the knockout stages so we can stick a couple of fingers at Jurgen Klopp? Uh, is there? Do you, are you committed to that bit? Do you, is that how you feel about it? Not, not exactly, no. I mean, I, I can't say it's on the high side of my priorities, but, but there is something in that, you know. And I'm, I'm quite sure the uh, accountants would like United to uh, stay in the competition too. I mean, Liverpool made something like £35 million out of last season's Europa 
league run. So if you go a long way, it can be lucrative. And having a look at United's results, financial results, um, this quarter, the club kind of needs it. So what's the what's the kind of um, analysis of, of those results? What 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 do they tell us? And what were they? Uh, not a lot. It's just quarterlies. Um, so uh, commercial revenue quarter over quarter slightly up. Broadcast revenue slightly up. Big cut in match day revenue, but that's because there were three fewer games, home games in this quarter compared to the previous quarter. Slight drop in operating profit for the quarter. So it's it's a quarterly. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say too much there. They're forecasting uh, revenue to be in five thirty to five forty million for the um, for the full financial year, and a bit there at one hundred eighty million or so. That's a lot of free cash. Um, well, not free cash, but a lot of cash. Some of it's free. Um, you know, the trend is as you'd expect, and uh, it will go up again if United get into the Champions League. Um, player uh, salaries fifteen percent up. Um, uh, not a big change in uh, amortisation. We ex- wouldn't expect that. And spent heavily for the last two years. Really, the big number, I suppose, is that debt was up uh, significantly by about fifty million pounds. Although almost all of that is to do with the change in the forex rate. So, uh, one dollar fifty one to the pound um, this time last year. $1.29 to the pound. Thank you, Brexit, this time this year, um, which is a cause. And, you know, United would do hedge, but a lot of the debt's in dollars, not pounds. Um, obviously listed in New York as well. Uh, so this has had significant effect. That's interesting, isn't it? And, and when you say significant effect, presumably... Those numbers, I'm no expert. That all sounds like even though there's a there's a big increase in the debt again, it's nowhere near being a problematic figure compared to the kind of revenues. Oh no, no, no! It's you know point six of point uh, six of revenue. Um, so uh, like way less than at the times when it was you know more than double revenue. So yeah, um, and of course the forest rate could change again. It could get even worse which uh, many economists are predicting. Um, Final thing on this, uh, a dividend is being played to shareholders of record and read into that uh, Class A shareholders, uh, the Glazer family. So uh, they are paying themselves some money. To uh, continue to fund really terrible, evil political campaigns. Yes, yes. Well, they did fund both sides, although uh, significantly more given to the Trump campaign. (laughs) They've funded both sides, but... It's sort of an insult, isn't it, when you give one campaign, I think, 4,500 and the other one 45,000. <laughs> There's a certain specificness to that. Anyway. Um, uh, yeah, so, Feyenoord. Um, I mean, of course, United were a very different proposition against Fenerbahce at home than they were away. And we have had this very good home form for almost all the season. It was maybe Manchester City in the league being the only time we've played badly at home. Zarya Luhansk in the in the Europa League, I suppose, being the other one. Um, I, I guess he's going to bring Ibrahimovic back. That would be my guess, given what a long break 
Ibra's had. Yeah, um, I, I think so. Probably need some some game time. And uh, we we spoke a bit about Feyenoord last week, didn't we? That they had just lost. Well, they won today. Uh, beat FC Zwolle 3-0 at home. So, you know, they're coming into this game in form. Uh, I don't think they're going to be the same proposition away from De Kuyp, And I'm not sure United will be so off their game as they were. Um, but it really depends. What United are we going to get? both in terms of the selection, I, I'm guessing five or six changes, something like that. Um, and will we get a team that cares? Yeah, very... Because they didn't care much last time out. No, they absolutely didn't. I mean, they did last time at Old Trafford, but so maybe that gives us some hope, but I don't know. I, I, as I said, like, I just don't think we need to... I, th- I think, of course, it'll be fun if we win, but uh, ultimately this is a pretty meaningless fixture, isn't it? The only thing, we just don't want Dirk Coit scoring, please. <laughs> Well, so he's still, he's still, is he, is he going to play? He played in Holland, didn't he? He did. Yeah, so I, I don't know whether he plays regularly for Feyenoord, but I'm going to say that yes, Dirk Cart will play because he, he's Park Jisung-esque, isn't he, in his running capacity. Um, so uh, then we've got West Ham who are a different proposition away from home than they are at home, but not the same way around. <laughs> They're a much more serious threat on the road because they don't have to play in front of uh, loads of dissatisfied supporters chucking chairs at each other. Yes, yeah, a lovely bunch of the West Ham fans, aren't they? Re- really, really celebrating their taxpayer-funded stadium in a nice way. I mean, I don't blame them, to be honest. They didn't ask for this. It's you know They've been moved from their historic home to a kind of you know corporate mega bowl miles away from where where their ground was um so you know that's even though their club has got an offensively good deal out of the taxpayer unbelievably just we just we the taxpayer are hemorrhaging cash to give to west ham for the uh, benefit of pornographers. Yeah. Um, and Slavin Bilic, who's struggling a bit this season. That... Who, who may or may not be a pornographer in his spare time. We don't know. Uh, no, but... but... you know, we can't rule it out either, <laughs> I guess can we? Not. I guess for legal reasons, we should probably not make it seem like we're suggesting that that's a thing. He's definitely a rock musician in his spare time. He, he had a, a band, didn't he, for a long time. Uh, but anyway, they're, they're struggling. They're, they are nowhere near the proposition they were last season. Payet... Perhaps he should turn to rock music or pornography because he's not much of a manager these days, is he? <laughs> Do you think this is just um, this is chickens coming to home to roost, and and the Billich bump was always going to be a kind of one season long affair, or is it, or is this the the stadium migration and all that kind of stuff has messed with their mojo? I mean, maybe it's messed with their mojo, but they haven't had a decent result of note all season. Mm. You know, they beat Chelsea in the League Cup, but that was the League Cup. Um, they beat Palace away from home, which would have been a good result, but Palace aren't playing great either. Uh, there's, yeah, there's just not much going on. You know, obviously the uh, the kind of Europa League playoffs messed with their their um, sort of preparation for the season and all that kind of stuff. That probably didn't help. Uh, the move to the new stadium definitely hasn't helped. Um, you know, there's. Uh, I guess it it's only. You only need a small tweak, don't you, um, to make a big difference uh, in Premier League terms. But they're, they're 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 pretty bad. I mean, they put a good fight up against Spurs, didn't they, the weekend? But they still capitulated late on. Um, and you know they're going to be coming into this game pretty demoralised, you'd think. 
be really interesting to see if Paye stays past January because he's too good for West Ham anyway, but he's definitely too good for a, a really struggling West Ham. Well, the other way to say it is he's not really putting in the performances right now um, that are anywhere near the level that they were last season. I haven't seen that much of him, um, but to me it's looked a little bit more like he's got even less around him than he did last season as well, as his own form dropping a bit. Um, and we, we saw in the Euros, didn't we, how good he can be in a functional side. Yeah, true. Yeah, very true. Oh, talking of international football, by the way, uh, last week you said that the USA beat Mexico, ending a long hoodoo. Yes, yes, I know, I know, I know. I know, but if you follow my second sentence, you know, it was actually the other way around in terms of the series of <laughs> yeah. results. So, you know, just a misspeak, yeah, just, to, to put it in American <laughs> just, terms. Just a flip-flop. We just flip-flop that and it all still checks out. They lost again, I think, and uh, Klinsman in big trouble. Uh, England got a draw with Spain, which uh, we wouldn't care too much about either way, but Ander Herrera made his Spain debut. Big, big lovely things. He did. Good on him. Got hugs from uh, Juan Mata in, in real life and... Uh, in social media, well deserved his Spain debut under Herrera, and England did as only England could, and managed to throw away a win in the last few minutes. Could have been, could have been even worse, given how many chances Spain created in the last five. We wouldn't know anything about what it's like to support a team that throw away leads in the last few minutes of crucial games, would we? Absolutely not. Um, all right, so uh, let's predict some results. Uh, I'm going to predict a win against West Ham. I think we're going to win two nil. Uh, Ibrahimovic brace. Ooh, it is Old Trafford. So, yeah, look, it's got to yeah. be... Look, I, I, I wonder whether United might, might go mad here. 5-0. I'm, I'm, yeah, I think... I, I reckon there might be a few... I'm going to go for a 4-0 win. Whoa! OK, what about Feyenoord before that? 1-1, one, one. I said that last week. OK, right. You said you had reserved the right to change it, though, I think, if depending on the Arsenal game, but nothing, nothing's changed that. Yeah, I'm gonna, I think that seems very reasonable. All right, 1-1 one, one and 2-0, and you're saying 1-1 one, one and 4-0... 4-0, imagine if that happens. I just did imagine it. And then I vocalised it with words <laughs> and recorded it well and put it well, on the internet for people to listen to. Amazing. All right. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, this show is brought to you by the good people who choose to crowdfund the show at patreon.com slash rankcast. And uh, if you want to hear a bit more of the show, head over there and uh, back us and you get a little bit more every week. We say it's 10 minutes, but normally it ends up being a bit longer than that. And an extra show once a month, uh, an extra half an hour Q&A. Um, and then there's like mugs and... Uh, a beautiful art print. Those are those have arrived at my house. I was about to say they're in stock, but what I mean is they've arrived at my house, and I'll be sending them out this week to um, to some of our, uh, our art tier backers. They look really beautiful in real life. So get on that if you want to, and uh, you follow me on Twitter at UTD Rantcast and follow Ed at United Rant. Massive thanks to producer Tom who makes this show possible, uh, and uh, we'll see you next week. We will indeed. Thank you. <laughs>